Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Come on, church. Man, I am excited every single, every single week that we get to worship. I'm excited every single week that we get to have church. It's a good thing, amen? Amen. I love, thank you. We got our uh, studio audience today as well, just a handful of us in the room, but it helps so much, man, uh, when you're preaching. I love the fact that we live in a time where we have technology, and technology allows us to do things like in the middle of a pandemic, or the apocalypse, whichever you prefer, but in the middle of a pandemic or apocalypse, it's okay, you can laugh, it's okay, Um, we can still have church full on, man. We don't skip a beat, and not only that, man, there's also opportunities for you to continue to give. There was a time just 10, 15 years ago where if you didn't have a church building, you would have to mail in your giving, or you had to show up at the building and give your giving. Now you can do it online. You can give online at the Journey Church. Church.cc. You can give via text to give, which is a super easy way. That number is 84321. Just text that number and you can give that way. But I love living in a time period where church doesn't stop because, because the doors close. Amen. We live in such an incredible time, man. Such an incredible time. Um, we are actually in a, in a, in a two, we're doing a two-week series. It wasn't supposed to be a two-week series, but that's how it ended last week. And so we're in a two-week series now based around Romans chapter 12. That's been where we've been spending some time personally, my wife and I, in our, in our, in our Bible study time. It's actually where we've been doing uh, some study from in our, in our morning devotions. If you guys haven't checked out those devotions yet, we do uh, devotions Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on Facebook Live, the Journey Church Facebook Live, also over on Instagram Live. Um, so definitely stop by, check us out. But listen, not this week coming up because we're going to be on vacation. I'm plugging from everything, including social media. We will not be, we will not be doing devos unless the Lord so moves on our hearts as we're sitting on the beach. We'll we'll think about you guys and, and we'll maybe do them there. Um, but yeah, so any other time, check it out. You can go back and watch the archives as well. So we're in this in a two week series, responding under pressure. And we started talking about this last week in Romans. Chapter 12, uh, you can turn there in your Bibles if you would. And Romans 12 is one of those chapters, man, that is a powerhouse chapter. You can literally spend weeks as, as your own, in your own personal study unpacking it. Spend weeks sitting down and, and picking apart the, the language. You know, the, the, the Greek language, the Aramaic language, the Hebrew language is so much more richer than the language that we speak, which is English, right? I mean, we have, excuse me, we have one word for love. And we use that same word for everything, right? Like, I love pizza, and I love my wife, and I love fishing. And then we use that word love to communicate a vast appreciation for something. But man, in, in, in Hebrew or in Greek, they have different language, different words for love, like, like a, a, a eros, romantic love, or phileo, a brotherly love, you know, agape, an unconditional love. And it carries so much meaning to it. So you can literally spend time in Romans 12, right, or any other chapter of the Bible, picking apart these words and really drawing out some meaning there. Uh, a great helpful tool for that, if you haven't checked it out already, is blueletterbible.org. Blue it's a phenomenal resource. You can pick apart any word, and you can sound like a Greek scholar, a Hebrew scholar, an Aramaic scholar, anything you want to sound like, if you just check it out. So definitely get into it and check it out. So we're over in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse, verse 9. And that's where we're going to start. And this is what it says in verse 9. It says, don't pretend to love 
others really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. I think uh, last week we talked about why we were going to talk about enemy love. Right. Yeah. We talked about that last week. We said, you know, uh, you know we, we cooped up in a house with people and we're seeing day in and, and day out people who we love or we were in love with and we're just crazy about. And you spend three months every single day in the house with them and it can begin to stretch you a little bit. Right. Those who are once on your team. Now you kind of feel like they're your enemy. Have you been there yet? Have you been through that yet? Where you just kind of feel like they're your enemy. Right. That happens with my wife and I. Anytime we're in the car, anytime we're in the car, my wife takes the side of everybody else right they take the side of everybody else when we're in the car driving around right and so and so sometimes I'll just look over at my wife and I'll say to her I'll say hey can you just be on my team can you just be on my team said, they cut me off but babe they had the turn signal on but they still cut me off no technically if they have their turn signal on they're not really cut to just merging be on my team <laughs> Just be on my team. That's all I'm looking for. You know, sometimes the people you spend the most time with can end up becoming your enemies or feel like they're your enemies, right? And so we're in this chapter really kind of help, uh, really kind of helping us figure out how to relate to them in, in that way. And so again, verse 9, it says this. Let's go back to there real quick. Verse 9, it says, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love others with a genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. We skip down to verse 14 and it says, And bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, I think going back to just verse 9 real quick, the whole concept of don't pretend just to love others. Don't pretend just to love others. What, what does that look like? You know, we, we can, like we said last week, we can pretend to love each other as long as we're not seeing them on a regular basis, right? If you're not seeing somebody on a regular basis, you can pretend to love them all you want to. You can smile at them and you can look at them. You can pretend to love them all you want to. But if you're seeing somebody on a regular basis, you can't really pretend to love them, huh? Because eventually what's on the inside is going to come out, right? And it says, look, so it says, don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Well, what does that look like? What does it look like? Go over to First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 and you can start with verse four. And this is what it looks like. Don't pretend to love them, but really love them. Right. It says love is patient. Do me, do me a favor. Church, say patient. 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 Love is patient and it's kind. Love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Can, can I just say I struggle with that, y'all. I struggle with that. I'm just going to be the one saying I struggle with demanding my own way. Nobody else demands their own way but, no. but the pastor who's preaching the message. It says, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it, and it keeps the records of being wrong. I'm a great record keeper, y'all. I am a great record keeper. Y'all know anybody else who's a great record keeper? I'm a great record keeper. As a matter of fact, I keep records of all of our conversations we have. And I can promise you this. I can tell you what we talked about a year ago. And I can tell you what the weather was like a year ago when we had that conversation. So don't try to lie to me. But it's not irritable. It keeps no, no records of being wrong. But see, but I keep records of being wrong. So therefore, I'm not really loving. I'm pretending to love, but I'm not really loving. Watch what it says. It says, it does not rejoice when injustice uh, about injustice, but it rejoices when truth wins out. Man, we can yes. go there, can't we, right now? And it says in verse 7, it says, love never gives up, never loses faith. Is, oh, man, just never gives up, never gives up. 
Never gives up. You hear the phrase, I, yeah, I'm just tired of dealing with them. I'm going to love them from a distance. You don't get that option when you love somebody, right? I'm not saying put yourself in a situation that's going to damage you or hurt you. But I'm saying you, you, don't get to, you don't get to cut them off from yourself, right? You don't get to cut yourself off. I understand. I'm not going to love them. No, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. And it endures through every circumstance. Not some circumstances. Not odd day circumstances or even day circumstances. Love endures through every circumstance. The car rides when they cut you off. When they steal your parking spot. Y'all know I'm a little bitter about that. They steal our parking spots in our house all the time. The little things right now. The little things, right? But go back. I know, I know. It's so bad. Go back. But it says, so back to verse 9 in Romans 12. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 14 again. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but pray that God will bless them. We talked about that last week. We said, you know, when you bless somebody, it's saying that you literally are invoking the blessing of God on their lives. When someone does something wrong to you and they persecute you, you don't curse them. You don't curse them. You don't invoke a curse upon them. You don't, when they cut you off, you don't hope that all four of the tires pop and they run off the road. You don't do that at well, all. they interrupt it, your Bible study? <laughs> we're, we're, that's what you, you never know what you get when you're recording, guys. That's awesome. All right. So let's go back again. So. That's all good. That's all good. So check it out. It says. Bless those who persecute. So when they persecute you, right, you, you don't invoke a curse on them. When they cut you off in the middle of the road, you don't hope that all four of their tires pop and they wreck off the road. That's invoking a curse. Inside your, inside your heart or even outside of your mouth, right, you invoke a blessing on them. You literally ask God to bless them. That's a really hard thing to do, isn't it, right? It's a very hard thing to do. Go to verse uh, 15. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's never more relevant than it is right now in our country, isn't it? Live in harmony with each other. Live at harmony. It's, it's our responsibility, church, to live in harmony with one another. Remember, we talked about that last week. And what does it mean to live in harmony with one another? It means seek to understand before trying to be understood. Seek to understand before trying to be understood. Right? Live in, live in harmony. With each other. It says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Come on, Jesus. That is another thing I think I'm really good at is being a know it all. I just I'm just putting it out there for you guys. Y'all don't know that, did you? Y'all didn't know that. Y'all should say no right now. Y'all should say no. Okay. So 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 don't be too proud or enjoy the company to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. So verse 16, right? We, we have lived in harmony with each other and the way that we do that is don't think you know it all. Now, we stopped there last week. We're going to keep going for this week, right? Over the next few moments. And this is what it says in verse 17. Paul says this. He says, never pay back evil with more what, church? Evil. Never pay back evil with more evil. I want you to hear that. Paul stated, never pay back evil with more evil. How many of you know Paul 
imitated Christ. Amen? Amen. Paul imitated Christ. He told Timothy, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so Paul has, has the heart of Christ in his writings, has the heart of Christ in his words. Never pay back evil with more evil. As a matter of fact, last week we saw that, right? We saw where, where Jesus said that. Let's go over to Matthew 5 real quick. I know I'm doing a little bit of review, but it's to set up for this week. It's really good. I'm going to share something with you. It's going to challenge you. I promise it. You, it's going to challenge you. Matthew chapter 5, real quick. I promise you, it'll challenge you. Matthew 5, real quick. And we're going to go to verse... Where's that verse at? 43. Matthew 5, verse 43, real quick. Matthew 5, verse 43. Y'all, your pages sit together like mine do? Alright, here you go. It says this. He said, no, because you're on your phone. Cheers. Alright. Matthew 5, verse 43, it says, And you have heard the law says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many of you know that's an easier thing to do, isn't it? It's easy to love those who love you, but it's incredibly hard to love those who hate you. Right? That's, that's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do. Even if they don't really hate you, you just perceive that they hate you. And you perceive that they hate you because they didn't return your high when you walk by them in the hallway. You've been there, right? You, you, you haven't, they, they, they don't say hi, so you get all upset with them on that moment, right? You think they hate you, but they, but they really don't. But it's just, so it says, you have, <laughs> you have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus is talking and he says, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And verse 45 is one of the most important scripture references right here. Ready? Verse 45 says this. It says, In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Amen. You'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. When what? When you love your enemies. What does that communicate about God's character and nature that first century Jews didn't quite grasp or understand? Is that God loves the enemies. It's a hard thing for us, isn't it? That God loves the enemies. You see, we were enemies with God in our minds, but we were never uh, God's enemies. Ever. It says he, to love your enemies. You'll be children of your father if you love your enemies because that's what your father does. Your father loves his enemies. Your father does not smite down, break, snap into his enemies. He loves his enemies. We're going to talk about how big of a deal this is. It says, for he gives sunlight to both evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Wouldn't it be much easier for us, church, if God kind of related like we do, right? Wouldn't it be a little bit more easier if God kind of related to people like we do? After all, right? Bad people get bad things happen to them. Good people get the good things, right? Mm -hmm. If your works and your behavior, the way you live your life are not up to par, then we, we write you off, right? You're not really a, a use to society anymore. We're going to write you off. And everybody who contributes, we're going to give you accolades and give you good things, right? If God responded like that, none of us, none of us would be here. There's not a single one of us who can stand tall and beat our chest and claim that we have good relationship, right standing relationship with God because of anything that we have done in our life. Not a single one of us can do that. Amen. And God responds 
by loving those who do not love him back. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a hard thing. Isn't it? It's a challenge. But in doing that, we are children of God. We are split from the same DNA that God has. Jesus said, when you do it, you're like your father. Paul said, when you do it, you're doing it like Jesus did, right? Mm -hmm. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless them. Mm -hmm. Man, that's such a, a hard thing to do. Y'all, listen, I told Kim this earlier today. My wife, I, we were talking in, in our bedroom, it was right like an hour before we came up here for, for, for rehearsal and recording and everything. And, and I said, man, babe, this whole message, this whole, uh, this whole series, every bit of this right here is really challenging me. All of this, Romans 12 all together is really challenging me, right? Because it's causing me to have to reevaluate how I relate to people. And let me give you an example. So um, I went and got my car inspected today. Took it to the dealership, right? And I'm, I'm in, uh, I go and I drop my car off and, I, and the guy tells me, all right, you go right around to the waiting room. And I'm like, cool, awesome. I'm going to go around the waiting room. And I brought my bag. I got my computer. I'm working on some stuff for the church. And so I go into the room and I sit down and I notice, I notice, but you don't really pay attention to it, right? You don't, it doesn't really register. But I notice there's about eight people in the room sitting in the seats. Now, each seat has a sign in between that says, can't sit here, right? And okay. it, doesn't, it says it with a southern slang, can't sit here. And so each one is right there. You can't sit there. And, and, and I noticed there's about eight people in the room, and they're all about 70 years old or older, and they all have masks on. I saw it, but it didn't register. And I sat down, and the lady, bless her heart, she was sitting right here. And she looks at me, and she says, excuse me. And I said, yes. Yeah. She says, do you have a mask? And I said, no, ma'am, I, I, do, I don't have a mask. No, ma'am. And she kind of rolled her eyes like, like this. And I was like, and I looked at her. And she goes, and she points, and she had a smirk because I could see it through her mask. She had a smirk <laughs> on her face. No, she did. She had a smirk on her face, and she pointed that way. And I looked back over my shoulder, and there's a sign there that says, in the waiting room, please wear a mask for the safety of others. And she goes, so? And I said, "Why? Well, I don't have a mask. And I looked at my computer, and I sat there for a second, and I thought, I probably should leave this room then. That's the right thing, isn't it, church? That's the right thing to do. So I close up my laptop, and I'm proud of myself for making this decision to leave. It's the little things I'm proud about in my life, right? So I fold my laptop up, I put it in my bag, put it over my shoulder, and as I start to walk out, the lady says, the nerve of some people. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so I stopped in the doorway, and I turned around and I looked at her, and I just stared for a moment. And raising up on the inside of me was Romans chapter 12. And it says, bless those who persecute you. Pray for them in that moment. And I had that moment with the Holy Ghost where I was like, not now, Lord. Not now. <laughs> not now. I want her to know that I heard exactly what she said. And the Lord just, he said, she's not even your enemy. And so I walked away. And I sat down in the room that had no chairs on the floor. And I sat there and I let the Lord just work on my heart in that moment. Y'all, I struggled with the 70-year-old lady who was doing the right thing. Pointing out the fact that I didn't have a mask on. That's not persecution. That's not my enemy. 
But what it's showing me is, man, I got some work to do on the inside. I got to continue to connect my heart to the heart of God. I got to continue to look at Jesus Christ and say, is anything about my life emulating Christ in this moment? Would how, how in the world would Christ respond in this moment? Is it emulating Christ at all? It says back over in Romans chapter 12. I told you I'm going to share some things with you. It's going to challenge you. We haven't gotten there yet. We're getting ready to get there, though. I promise. Romans 12 right here. It says in verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. So everyone can see that you're honorable. That word honorable right there means beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life and hence praiseworthy. That means respond in such a way that when people look at you, they see you have a pure heart and it leads to them praising God. Yes. Do not respond. Do not pay evil back with evil, but respond in such a way that causes people to repent. Mm -hmm. That is to change their mind. Mm -hmm. Right? Verse 18, look what it says. Verse 18 says this. And it says, do all that you can do to live at peace with everyone. Who's it up to live at peace with everyone? It's us. Do all that we can do to live at peace with everyone. Right? Now check this out. Here's where we're going to go tonight. And in verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Do me a favor and say, never, never. never. Take, take revenge. revenge. No, it's hard. Mm. Listen, never take revenge. Watch this, watch this. Because this whole passage of scripture has been so mistreated and misinterpreted. Listen, leave that to the righteous anger of God. Now, wait a minute. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, if you read this, in, 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 in the view of God that you have, is that, that God acts one way, and that Jesus acts another way, and that what Jesus did on the cross was really come to save us from God, then it's easy to read a scripture that says, you guys show love, and I'll take care of swinging the baseball bat. It's easy to read scripture like that. But what about the ministry of, and life of Jesus Christ? Did Jesus ever advocate God swinging the baseball bat? He didn't. Actually, he flipped the entire script. Over and over and over again, he flipped the script. He says, you think you know God, but let me really show you who God is. Now watch, because we're going to define this, right? You think you know who God is, let me show you who God really is. Even in, 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 uh, in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, when he announced his ministry, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to re recover his sight to the blind, to set the captives free, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But you know, if you go back to Isaiah 61, there's a part of that verse that he left off in verse 2 and it says this and the day of the vengeance of our God Jesus quoted the Old Testament scripture and what he left off was the day of the vengeance of our God do you see that he said I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord I've come to reveal to you who God really is now watch what about what about this anger piece here the word right there is, is actually another, another translation translates it wrath. It translates it wrath, right? And uh, so that word wrath right there is the Greek word uh, orge, or it's where we get the word orgy from in our language. Mm -hmm. And what it means is it means incredible passion. 
is, is exactly how it's translated. It's an incredible passion. Now, watch this. Dear friends, never take revenge. Well, that's important, right? Because we just saw that Jesus said, love your enemies, and in doing so, you'll be just like who? Your father. Instead, watch. Instead, leave, the, leave that to the righteous anger of God or the wrath of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, look what he said. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, what? Feed them. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing so, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Listen to me. He is not advocating passive aggressiveness. He's not saying, really be good to them so you can really pay them back. Not a single part of that is he advocating passive aggressiveness. Sometimes the translations don't translate it well. Right? It's a true story. Watch. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing what? Good. So do you see, that's God. That's the way of God doing it. But we still have this piece right here that sees like, well, okay, well, what about the righteous anger of God? Well, let's go back and look at the scripture real quick that Paul quotes. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 32. And uh, let's check it out. Deuteronomy chapter 32 real quick. In verse 35. 32, 35. Watch this. Then you go back to verse 34. The Lord says, am I not storing up things, sealing them away in my treasury? In verse 35, this is where it says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. And in due time, their feet will slip and their day of disaster will arrive and their destiny will overtake them. You know, a lot of times when we see scriptures that are quoted in the New Testament, what we do is we go to the Old Testament to commentate the New. Do you understand? We go back in the Old Testament and say, well, what's the scripture really mean that Paul is saying? Well, I know. I'll go back to the Old Testament. I'll use the Old Testament to commentate the New. And Jesus didn't use scripture in the Old Testament to commentate the New. He used the New Testament. He used his life. He used his word to commentate the Old. And Paul did the same thing. Paul used Jesus to commentate the Old Testament. Now watch. Okay? So we read that and go, man, this must be really, really bad, right? Because then it says... I will pay, and I'll make their, this says, in due time their feet will slip, their day of disaster will arrive, and their destiny will overtake them. Man, that's pretty bad, right? God's going to get them, but, but how does God get them? God gets them not in the way that we think he's going to get them, right? He doesn't. How does God get them? He gets them by the following verses. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Why? Because God works through you. Allow the love of God flowing out of your life to be the very anger or wrath that they experience, they feel. You know, this is what happens on... See, God is what, church? He is love. And love is patient and it's kind and it's not boastful and it's not prideful and it's not rude and it does not keep records of being wrong and it never gives up, never loses faith, always hopes, always perseveres, always, always. That's what love is. That's who God is. That's who God is. And God works through us. And so His love can be experienced in two different ways. Your role, God is always consistent. God is love, right? Yeah. But in one way, just like the prophet said, our God is an all-consuming what? Fire. He's an all-consuming fire. Right? You know, when, and you can see this all throughout Scripture, right? You can see it. If you go back when, when the Israelites were, were at the mountain of Sinai, right? And it says that God appeared at the base of the mountain of Sinai. And it said that when Moses walked in, right? Moses walked in. Uh, it, was, it was a cloud, right? It says, but Israel saw 
fire. They, so Moses walks in and it's a cloud and Israel sees fire, right? That's, that's how that works. And it's, it's about the positioning of our heart. How we see God is about the positioning of our heart. Are we seeing God as wrathful? God is consistently love. He's consistently loved. And so if we're, if we're perceiving him as wrathful, we're perceiving him as angry and vengeful, it's, it's about the position of our heart. We see this all the time. How many times have we built a case for somebody against somebody in our hearts? And when they actually do something nice to us, we get this ulterior motive running in our head, this script that says, man, they're just out to get me, man. They're really doing this to really get me. They're really doing and, and really, who, who's writing that script? It's, it's us because God's position towards humanity is love. He proved that. Didn't he prove that all over again? Didn't he prove it in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39? Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Not your past, not your future, not, not, not things you've done, not angels nor demons, right? Nothing can separate you from the love of God revealed through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. But the position of your heart yeah. will determine whether you receive him as love mm -hmm. or you receive his wrath. And so he says, let let the anger of God, like, leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And this is how, watch, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Jesus Christ was beaten. He was mocked. He was scourged. And he was nailed to the cross. And how did he pay humanity back? He loved them. He loved them. He tells his disciples, how many, they come to him, how many times should we forgive somebody? What did he say? Seventy times seven. That's like 300 something in a single day. You want us to forgive somebody 300 something times in a single day? He said, yes. What's the point of that? You don't reserve the right to not forgive. Why? Because love keeps no records of being wrong. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Yeah. See, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't show up to be the good cop. And God is not the bad cop. Right. You understand? They are three in one. And they emulate the personality of each other. They, they emulate the heart of each other. And the heart of each other is love, always love. Yes. Go back. I challenge you, go back in the Old Testament. You go back and you start studying the Old Testament. How many times did God get blamed for everything? Right. Everything. And it's not until Jesus comes on the scene that they begin to really begin to understand, wait a minute, there's another player at work in this whole thing. And that player, what he says, he says, the thief comes to what, church? Steal and kill and destroy. He said, but I came to give you what? Life. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And in God, there is only life. It's a paradigm shift for all of us. Do not let evil conquer evil, but conquer evil by doing good. And he gives us these words in scripture because that's exactly how he did it. He conquered death, hell, and the grave, not by causing a revolt, not by allowing Peter to slice off everybody else's head who was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he, didn't, he didn't change the world by, by being vindictive and fighting back. He changed the world by doing good. And doing good was, I am willing to love you mm -hmm. to my death. Mm -hmm. That's self-sacrificial, 
That is enemy love. And that's what we're called by God to do. That is a hard thing. So you can't fake enemy love. You cannot fake. You can fake love people who steal your parking spot, but you can't fake enemy love. The only way we love our enemies is when we're connected to the heart of God. And we recognize that there have been many times in our own lives where we've been enemies with God. But it's upon recognizing his love for us that we recognize we never were enemies. We were never God's enemies. Overcome evil by doing good. By doing good. You do good for somebody, it's going to cause them to have to wrestle with inside themselves one or two things. Either I'm going to have to admit I was wrong. Which that's a hard pill for all of us to swallow at times, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to admit I was wrong and you're really not that bad of a person. Or I'm going to be so more convinced that, that you really are evil, but in the long term, who's suffering more? <coughs> the person who is convinced that you're the one who is evil. Right? Told you it's a paradigm shift. Now some of you might be, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are taking away my angry God. It's okay, Jesus did it first. <laughs> Jesus did it first. So, let me go ahead and, and pray for you guys as we wrap up. And uh, I'm believing God that this message is going to continue to reverb in your head. Maybe you might need to go back and listen to it a couple more times. And let it soak in. But I am telling you, man, God is madly loving you. He is for you, not against you. He is for you, not against you. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you for a great night tonight, Lord. I, I know, Lord, that the, that the things being spoken about tonight, God, would stretch us. God, it stretched me. It stretched others we've talked to, Lord. And, and I thank you, Lord, that even though, it's, it, even though we're being stretched, we're growing. And God, I just pray, Father, that you would just continue to affirm your love to every person, Lord, that we would position our hearts to receive your love. Mm-hmm. That you would help us to see that. Father, we thank you for an incredible weekend, an incredible week coming up. And Father, I just speak joy, joy unspeakable over everybody in earshot and viewing of this message, Father. But as we fall more in love with you, God, our joy will skyrocket. Father, we thank you, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said.